All right, we've seen now how America was originally settled with nearly all government sovereignty vested at the local level. And we saw that this is the legacy of Christian culture and was the better part of it, we might add, in many ways. Early Americans did not have to worry about their wealth and freedom being voted away by alleged representatives far removed by hundreds of miles or two or three levels of government above them. We've also seen that this ideal of freedom has been lost gradually over time at many junctures and usually in the name of emergency or something like the common good. But more importantly, we've seen that these several creeping tyrannies were enabled and empowered by that one main instance of centralizing power and force and money at the federal level, and that was the Constitution. And nevertheless, you might disagree with me on that. Whatever the causes are, ultimately, it's easy to see that we today have nowhere near the freedom of our ancestors. The question now is, how do we get back to that level of freedom? In this talk on this topic, I intend to discuss those things, particularly the hurdles we're going to have to overcome, the new mindset we need to have, and some practical actions to take toward restoring local freedom and local sovereignty. Two different things. By local sovereignty, I mean the freedom of local governments from the dictates of higher levels of government. We have to return local control. We have to have free local institutions, free from the bands and shackles of federal and state machineries that entrap locals with grant money and encroachments on power and local decisions and licensing and regulations and all that kind of stuff. Uh, by the similar phrase local freedom, I mean freedom of individuals from the same type of encroachments and impositions by their local government. We'll talk about that less. Now, okay, so first, let's talk about the hurdles we'll have to get over on this uh, journey. Hurdles that are in the way of gaining this freedom. The enemies of freedom have always been those who stand to profit from the public coercive systems. These people, either for the sake of uh, some form of prestige in their minds, or for money, or for both, or for some other reason, consistently scheme and legislate to benefit themselves. And these lusts uh, that drive these people to do these things, they exist at every level of government, but they also exist in the hearts of every individual. We have to fight them. So the remedy for restoring freedom to the local level will mean confronting the many, many ways in which both private individuals and government leaders uh, have entrenched themselves in public funding based on taxation. Now, whether this manifests in publicly funded construction contracts, public education, exorbitant pensions for public employees, union privileges, grants from higher government ages, a myriad of other versions of the same evil. The path to freedom means stopping these appropriations and redistributions of money and wealth and derailing that long train of abuses of individual freedoms that result uh, from this alliance of plunderers who want the money on the one hand and the elites on the other who think they can plan our lives better than we can and that they have a right to do so. The problem ultimately is as much personal as it is political. The local and state levels are merely microcosms of the larger plundering going on in Washington, D.C. In other words, it's a small, it's the same thing done on a small level. But the local governments themselves are merely the reflection of the lusts and corruption that are in the individuals uh, that choose to allow it to go on. Local governments 
often suffer, suffer under corrupt officials uh, who are constantly seeking to gain more money, constantly seeking grants from the state and federal governments, but often the people themselves either agree with the taking and the taxing and the borrowing, or they're oblivious to it, or they don't care about it. So here's the hard truth. If you agree with the appropriations taken by force, even if it's only at the local level, then you're complicit in a corrupt system that stretches from your heart all the way to Washington, D.C. All right, so don't talk about freedom and fiscal responsibility when you make multi-billion or multi-million dollar exceptions for yourself, for your business, for your industry, for your union, for your police and firefighters, for your local schools. In that case, Obama's not the problem, you're the problem. Until you address this problem, you have no moral authority in regard to people who are doing the exact same thing as you, just on a larger scale and way over your head. Now on the other hand, if you're merely oblivious, or especially if you just don't care, then you're still culpable, you're still complicit by your complacency. And you can bet that the liberals and the statists just love you for it because it helps them get their schemes across with less opposition. It's been said that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And I agree with that, although I would add that anyone who sits there and does nothing can't be considered good to begin with. So we need to confront both corruption and complacency. And that is simply to say that we need to wake up and take responsibility and take action on it. Now, knowing that the problem begins with the individual heart, stretches all the way to the Washington, we're gonna have to confront all those levels at the same time, at least at the outset and for a while. Uh, we have to concentrate our energy and focus on the areas that we have greatest effect, which is of course ourselves, and then our local governments. And we've already addressed in, in other chapters these vitally needed personal lifestyle adjustments pertaining to education and welfare. Uh, we have emphasized the don't take the cheese principle in those areas for individuals mostly. But now it's time to focus that uh, concept at the level of local government also. We have to work to avert all public expenditure, all public debt, all taxation in local government, as well as stopping the accepting of grants from higher governmental bodies. That's just the first step in returning to anything like a true local sovereignty in America. Her counties must be free of strings attached to higher agencies. But since that level of freedom doesn't yet exist, nor will it exist completely for the duration of the process of arriving at it, we still have to attend as need be to state and national politics until we reach the desired position locally. We can't take the chance of complacency at the back door where feds can creep in while we're distracted pertaining only to local matters. And even when we do achieve the, the goal locally, uh, we still can't rest until the surrounding counties and hopefully a vast majority of counties in the state have reached similar levels of understanding and practice of local sovereignty. Because until a majority of counties exist that are willing to assert their freedom simultaneously against the higher governments, uh, the few that arrive at near local autonomy will always be exposed to the weakness of a minority status. In other words, we're going to need a lot of free counties voicing their nullifications and their independences at the same time, or else the federal government could pretty much at any time simply ignore it and squash it with little repercussion. We need mass decentralization, although we need it legitimate, and we need resistance that's legitimate so that no central authority can easily or effectively answer it. 
So until we reach that time in which a growing number of America's 3,000 plus counties care more about freedom than federal aid, we're going to have to be pretty diligently in guarding our work and our prayers toward that goal. Uh, they're never safe from the threats of government violence, force, defamation, theft, whatever else from above. Anyone wishing to start a truly grassroots bottom-up movement for restoring local sovereignty is going to face multiple levels of opposition, from the higher levels of government, from the vast mainstream media, leftist propaganda machines, from entrenched statism, even in local media, such as newspapers, corporate forces that use government to stop competition, and also from corrupt local officials. We have to be pre prepared to meet all of this with truth, with an unwavering commitment to freedom, with courage, and yet with calmness and confidence, and when need be, with kindness. Secondly, we need to affirm and solidify this new vision of decentralized power. Now this, this vision has to be deep and it has to be committed to thoroughly. It was actually articulated at one time in this country at a very crucial time by the famous economist F.A. Hayek. Nearing the end of World War II, he noted that Western civilization was going to need to be rebuilt and that this task would have to be done amidst an atmosphere in which communism thrived as a powerful force. The forces and ideas behind National Socialism and fascism were still very strong. And academia was, as it still is, strongly socialist or even communist in some places. And Hayek argued in his famous book, The Road to Socialism, that any attempts at rebuilding along the lines of any large socialized, nationalized state would be doomed to failure sooner or later. And this was his conclusion, I'm quoting. We shall not rebuild civilization on the large scale. It is no accident that on the whole there was more beauty and decency to be found in the life of the small peoples, and that among the large ones there was more happiness and content in proportion as they had avoided the deadly blight of centralization. Nowhere has democracy ever worked well without a great measure of local self-government, where the scope of the political measures becomes so large that the necessary knowledge is almost exclusively possessed by the bureaucracy. The creative impulses of the private person must flag. And I believe that the experience of the small countries like Holland and Switzerland contains much from which the most fortunate countries, larger countries like Great Britain, can learn. We shall all be gainers if we can create a world fit for small states to live in. Now, of course, we know that his advice was largely ignored, but the vision still remains. And at this point in American history, when leftists and even many conservatives continue to praise and protect the instruments of socialism, even as they're already bankrupting the treasury and society together, this vision of decentralized power still remains the only viable expression of freedom and liberty. And that vision today still remains ignored and ridiculed, even though it's essentially been untried for the past 225 years at least. But the vision's very simple, and here it is. Local governments have to take back sovereignty in every area they can. Local people need to pressure local governments to do so and to refuse monetary handouts from higher governments. And people have to hold local officials accountable to these goals. 
local government must begin to resist the enticements, enticements and the entrapments and the encroachments of the higher levels. And this will eventually mean these things. One, local individuals will have only local government with which they have to interact. Two, representation will be much more genuine as local officials are elected from a much smaller sample of the population. Number three, government will be easier to monitor and be much more transparent in what it does. Number four, local officials are much more easily held accountable. And number five, if any of these ideals fails miserably and the, local, uh, the locality grows intolerable to you, it won't be hard to move to another county and, and to a county that upholds your values. Now these are just a few of the benefits of decentralization. Now there are some disadvantages as well, to be honest, and let me list a couple. Number one, Individuals can no longer enrich themselves from swollen promises paid for by taxing the national population at large or borrowing trillions of dollars indebting our grandchildren. Or, for example, too, ideologues and leftists and elites and other pests can no longer easily impose their values on 300 million people by means of only a few, mo few vote majority in Congress and the pres president's celebrity ink pens or worse, by means of a 5-4 Supreme Court decision. And this is the kind of disadvantages that I can live with. I mean, imagine that. Imagine a society in which 300 million people are not subjugated legally by the mere opinion of five. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? And really, since a 5-4 to, four, five to four decision determines any case, it really means that it only takes the opinion of one person to swing the law for 300 million. Now there's much more we could say in regard to this vision of freedom and liberty of local control, but these are the basics. That's what I want to get across now. We'll add a lot more later when we have time for supplemental, supplemental articles and posts once the rest of the uh, fundamental aspects of this project get put up. So let's move on to the final part. There are some practical measures here to consider even uh, in the meantime, things we can do. And this is where taking action starts. First, learn everything you can about your local government. This will take a little time. It'll mean shifting your focus and the focus of the time you spend engaging in politics from the national level to the local scene. Sadly, I think it is most people know everything there is to know about Obama and his birth certificate and Pelosi and all that kind of stuff and yet they couldn't even tell you the name of one of their local county officials or a judge or any of those kind of things. Okay? This needs to be taken care of. We have to balance that out. And essentially, I would say we need to reverse that level of knowledge. Yes, read the headlines on the national stuff. Read the state stuff. React to it if necessary. But focus, focus, focus on learning your local stuff. Learn your commissioners' names. Learn their backgrounds. Learn if they've had jobs in the past. What are their beliefs? What are their values? What is their career history? What are their voting records? Learn the organization of your local government system. Learn the schedules of all relevant board meetings, commission meetings, whatever they are. Know when they meet. Show up and listen on important issues. Learn how to find Learn how to obtain all publicly available information, meetings, agendas, budgets, revenues, expenditures, bondholders, financiers, contracts, 
projects, land use plans, rezoning efforts, constitution and bylaws, everything. And you will find that the information gathering process in itself will begin to breed questions uh, because numbers and budgets and legal memos have their own way of whispering. You may discover corruption. You may find questionable practices that your local officials wish to remain quiet or hidden. You may find that a board member is working to give himself or herself privileges for their own career advancement or their own profit. Maybe not. Maybe there's no corruption in your local government. But the more information you have, the more transparent and accountable the government can be forced to be. Secondly, start a blog. Start a website dedicated to making your local government and public your public officials as public and as transparent as possible. Okay, you can be as detailed and selective as or, or, or as detailed or selective as necessary as long as it's honest and open and focused on your local government. Don't waste time on posting articles about Obama or whoever's going to be president. Focus on local stuff. Focus on everything relevant that you can. Ask questions, suggest things, uh, show any clear connections, show every cent that is taxed, show how it's assessed, show how it's collected, show how it's spent. Show every cent borrowed and who profits from borrowing against future taxation and who holds the bond. Show how much tax money collected for special purposes has actually been used to pay for those purposes. Show how much elected officials and public employees of all sorts are paid and what their public pensions and their benefits packages look like. Okay? This is all legal, it's all public information, and it lies hidden right now because no one cares enough to do the work to publicize it. But WordPress and other blog sites are absolutely free and they're easy to use. And it would be great to have at least one such website dedicated to ultimate transparency in each of America's 3,000 counties. It would be better to have several in each county because variety and choice and competition make them all better and make them more effective. Uh, and, and this kind of thing I would, I would urge. It's a great high school, high school project. It's a great homeschool project. It's great for students. But really anyone can do this and everyone should. Then. Add video. Okay, this can be done merely on YouTube or other some other video sites, uh, channels, embedded in a website, embedded in a blog site. Record meetings. Obtain interviews with the officials whenever desired and possible. Some local governments already record their own meetings and post them themselves. Go find them and repost them to your website. You can edit them down if you have to to get rid of all the nonsense and get down to the important details. But the point is to have a clear and open public record and get the word out to as many people and make everything about local government as accessible and understandable to as many local people as possible. This will lead, hopefully, to greater percentage of participation in local politics, greater attention paid to politics, and it will lead eventually to the election of board members and judges and sheriffs and everything else who better represent the population and better represent local values. And it will increase accountability. And it will help in corruption. I mean, and, and you'll find out over time, taxes will decrease in many localities, choices will open up, people will be more free. Now, this sounds like a tall order, but you need to know that these ideas and tactics are already being upheld and implemented with success in some counties. 
Some counties are beginning to assert local sovereignty against state and federal encroachments. Some towns are doing so. For example, uh, Sedgwick, Maine recently declared absolute sovereignty over its local food supply. They were tired of state and federal regulations of local meat and raw milk and things like that, and so they declared their right and their determination to be free of that tyranny, and they wrote an ordinance that says this, quote, our right to a local food system requires us to assert our inherent right to self-government. We recognize the authority to protect that right as belonging to the town of Sedgwick. And they considered state and federal regulations as usurpations of citizens' right, and they went on to declare in their ordinance, quote, it shall be unlawful for any law or regulation adopted by the state or federal government to interfere with the rights of uh, recognized by this ordinance. And this was applied to not just governments, but any corporation that would try to interfere. And the town further added and explained themselves by referring to the Declaration of Independence, uh, Maine state constitution, and other Maine statutes, all of which they said supported their local rights. And they reserved the right in that ordinance to secede completely, if necessary, in the face of a legal contest. Now that Sedgwick, Maine ordinance, all by itself, is creating a wave across the country. It's currently being used as a model to resist federal regulation in many other municipalities across the country. And these certainly, I know, will lead to court battles, possibly intimidation from higher governments. But the fact that they exist and people are advancing them shows that the vision for local sovereignty is growing and can be implemented. The fight has only begun but it has begun. Now this is true in other areas of life as well. Their local counties and even states have declared that they will not honor Obama's Health Care Act, but have declared it null within their jurisdictions. Some states have declared all federal firearm laws null and void within their boundaries for guns and ammo that are manufactured there. There are at least a dozen or more areas in which states currently are working to nullify federal laws within their states. And as this precedent becomes more prevalent in the states, it's only going to make sense, moral sense particularly, to extend it to counties. Local sovereignty, county sovereignty will grow more viable as well. And this is, after all, and this is very little known, that the foundation of American freedom, uh, the first Declaration of Independence was not the one of 1776, but was written by a single county a full year before that. In Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, formally declared uh, independence from Great Britain on May 31st of 1775, saying that the authority of the king or parliament are annulled and vacated. And they proceeded to set up an interim government for themselves, at least until, it, as they expected, the rest of the colonies should catch up to their decision. And they did, of course. So local sovereignty is an American tradition, and it's back on the rise, and you need to know that it's happening. Cases of local freedom, uh, individuals asserting their control against corrupt local officials are occurring as well. In one case I was told about, I can't give any names or details, but I can tell you this much, a small town council was very quietly paying itself a very rich pension package, and a few local business owners found out, they were of course outraged about it, and there was at least one council member that was opposed who was more of a Tea Party type conservative. And so these business, a, a, a businessmen approached him with a plan. 
And, and the plan was that they all showed up at one of the city council meetings with a video camera running, and they got all the members on the council to confirm the terms of the pension package. And they said, yeah, that's, that's the case. And then they asked for a show of hands on the council of who disapproved of how wealthy this was. And the lone honest member of the council jetted his hand very high, and the rest were sitting there on video exposed looking stupid. And then the businessmen just said, thank you, and they walked out with the video. And the council got so scared that they, they called a recess to the meeting and chased these people on out into the parking lot, literally trembling, asking what they're going to do with the video. And, of course, they knew very well what's going to happen with the video if they don't shape up. Uh, a similar case, again, I was told about this, a 17-year-old kid exposed the appointment of a school superintendent and the board was trying to rush this particular guy through for the, for the job because he, they knew he was a big spender and would therefore get a lot of money on their behalf for their district. Well, this kid shows up at the interview process and later at the board meetings with a digital recorder. And these thugs were all caught and they were literally trembling in fear because of one kid and they couldn't do anything about it. Uh, this stuff's going on everywhere and we need to document it, we need to get it up online, we need to further it. Uh, another friend of mine's been fighting these kind of battles for several years, and he's watched his own community deteriorate due to federal handouts, particularly Section 8 housing, uh, and there are other things involved, corrupt local investment trusts. Uh, most of it came about because of the Title I free, uh, federal free lunch programs and an influx of, of people into the neighborhoods, Title I status being granted to local public schools, uh, all of it's about receiving massive federal aid for the local school districts. Uh, now, like I said, there's a whole lot to this story. There's a lot to sort out and discern, but the bottom line is that there are a bunch of corrupt local fat cats using government grants to empower and enrich themselves at the expense of local culture. And they're protected by the liberal politicians above them for several reasons. And my contact said that he started attending board meetings a long time ago to record what was said. And very early on, one of these fat cats came up to him uh, and started asking him very suspicious questions, had a kind of a threatening demeanor, and essentially he realized the guy was going to try to get, his, get him fired from his job. Uh, but the man's now very paranoid because he has seen how deeply the corruption goes in his area and how serious some of those insiders are about keeping it that way. And it's all happened over years while the local people neglected to attend to their local politics. There is work to be done here. Another man wrote me a letter telling me how he won a seat on his local commission because local conservatives were raising taxes and spending like liberals, and he simply took a strong Tea Party type stand and stood against the spending and the corruption, and he was elected. And that was despite overwhelming opposition from the local papers, the local labor unions, and even the local chamber of commerce. The local Chamber of Commerce was opposing him because it was dominated by big businesses that favor big government for corporate welfare. Uh, in other words, the local chamber itself was corrupted by the forces of wealth redistribution. It had taken the cheese and it was now trapped. But my friend won the election anyway, uh, and now he faces this kind of an uphill fight against these complacent people and corrupt officials and, and he's obviously also upset about federal grants that he says put a terrible grip on the local units. Uh, so there are some successes out there, uh, but there are also currently many challenges out there. 
And one of the good things about seeing how deep and real these challenges are is that we realize how much more entrenched and powerful and worse it must be at those higher levels, certainly up in Washington, D.C. The nature of the problem is exactly the same, it's just magnified at the national level. So if we can't dismantle this tyranny locally, you can forget it's ever happening in Washington, D.C. But this is what's encouraging about the successes that we're seeing. We can, in fact, have an effect locally, and many people are already doing it. And there's a lot of work to do yet, a lot of uphill climb. It will take time, but remember this project we're planning for our grandchildren. And it's time to start, it's time to get busy, and it's time to start to get a steady pace of reform going. So start with these steps of publicizing and gaining control of local politics and transparency. It begins, it begins when people care about the problem. It advances when people focus on the problem, study it and understand the problem, and it only succeeds when we take action on the problem. And that is the County Rights Project in action. It's only gonna work when you get involved. People can only be free if they will be responsible and courageous. Thank you.